have our next speaker, uh, Dr. Enrico Suarte, Director of Psychiatry at St. Elizabeth's Hospital and Director of Forensic Services at the Ross Center in Washington, D.C. Uh, he is co-chair of Conflict Management and Conflict Resolution section of the World Psychiatric Association and president-elect of the Washington Psychiatric Society, a diplomat of the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology, in psychiatry, child and adolescent psychiatry, and forensic psychiatry, on the faculty at St. Elizabeth's Hospital, Georgetown University, and George Washington University. He has also served as the chief child and family psychiatrist at the U.S. State Department. Dr. Swarty studied political psychology with renowned CIA psychiatrist Gerald Post, completed his MD in a residency in preventive medicine in Milan, Italy, and obtained an MSc in public health and public policy from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Enrico also holds an executive MA in national security affairs uh, as a member of the IWP class of 2019. Enrique will be giving us a fascinating talk profiling Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi. So, here we go. Well, good morning. Thank you so much for the kind introduction. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Yes, I'm going to be talking about the Prime Minister Narendra Modi. And I can add the next slide. But first, as a psychiatrist, uh, I have to tell you that I am not uh, uh, allowed to diagnose individuals that I have not um, evaluated personally and, and with their informed consent. So there, there's going to be no diagnosis here, of course. Um, this is the Goldwater Rule, it's an ethical tenet of the American Psychiatric Association. It really comes from a story from the 1960s involving uh, Senator Barry Goldwater from Arizona. Um, he was uh, running for president, and he had authored a book uh, entitled The Conscience of the Conservative in 1960. And a, a magazine called uh, Fact uh, ran a story uh, mocking that title, and uh, the title was The Unconscious of a Conservative. And what they did, they called uh, thousands of psychiatrists and over thousands of them asking if uh, Senator Goldwater was uh, fit to be pressed in their professional opinion. And over a thousand of them uh, responded no, and some of them made uh, disparaging remarks using the psychiatric jargon of the time and so, um, if I can have the next slide, uh, Senator Goldwater, of course, did not appreciate and sued the magazine he won. And uh, the American Psychiatric Association, which did not sue directly, decided it was, time, it was time to impose a gag rule that is known as the Goldwater Rule. Um, so, uh, th there, are, there is an exception for the psychiatrists who are involved in national security work and do that, you know, in that context and, uh, and, and with all the, the confidentiality. I am not, and I also have to say that I do agree entirely with this rule, I endorse it. And so we have a photo here of, um, uh, of, of Senator Goldwater essentially shushing the psychiatrists. 
if I can have the next slide. So greetings, Samaskar. Um, Prime Minister Modi was uh, recently in the U.S. As you know, he was uh, here in June for a state visit that went on for several days. One of the gifts that he received from the uh, president and the, and the first lady in, in, in that picture right here um, is was a um, autographed first edition copy of the uh, collection of poems of Robert Frost. The uh, Indian press uh, noticed that it was a well thought out gift. Uh, Frost is a quintessential American poet, but was also one of the favorites of the uh, Pandit Nehru, the first uh, Prime Minister of Independent India and uh, leader of the Congress and a very intellectual person. And India has a tradition of uh, poets' statesmen. Uh, one of them here in this picture, Vaibhaj, uh, a leader of the um, uh, now deceased leader of the BJP Bharatiya uh, Party, um, also a former Prime Minister. And then one of them is uh, Prime Minister Mon, uh, right here, um, also a poet, an author, and a statesman. Can I have the next slide? And this is a list that is not even comprehensive of uh, books that he has authored. Um, and two of them are uh, poetry collections. They were both uh, translated from uh, his native language, Gujarati, into English in 2014, when he was uh, running for prime minister. Uh, I would say not a coincidence, it was a way to introduce him and cast him, cast a positive light on him for the foreign audience, but mainly for the uh, educated Indian audience that has been and remains, you know, skeptical of uh, his party and his, his politics. Um, and I said, two of these books are a collection of poetry, can I have the next slide? So, um, uh, in uh, the introduction to this book, in the, the, Modi readily admits that he's not a literate poet. He doesn't really care that much about the structure, the forms, um, what he knows, what he understands, and what he feels strongly is emotions. And so poetry is a way to channel his emotions. And in his poetry, there is uh, strength, as in the verses that I um, chose here. I'll take the next slide. But there is also vulnerability, and like in, in these verses here. This is a um, collection of poetic letters that he um, um, writes to the uh, mother goddess. The mother goddess. This is 1980s. His work days are long and very hard, and sometimes he feels overwhelmed by the amount of work and the challenges that he has. And he puts that in, in poetry. You know these uh, emotions, um, and I make a note of this connection with the uh, divine, the feminine, the divine. Um, I will touch on this again. Anyway, an author, a published poet, an author, but you know, arguably, we don't know him uh, so much for his writings. We know him more for 
is species, right? So um, let's talk a little bit about the spoken words of the Prime Minister. So next slide. Well, um, whether you're a detractor or a supporter of, of the Prime Minister, uh, you'll you agree that he's a, a, an extraordinary orator, uh, very gifted. It's, it's the, the choice of words. Um, uh, his speeches, of course, have been studied. Uh, if you are in the audience, you'll be drawn to feel um, like a friend of his or a family member of his. He'll, he'll call you a brother, a sister, a father, a mother, a friend, repeatedly. So the choice of words, um, but also the nonverbal communication. Um, has been looked at, and it's part of this um, uh, mesmerizing uh, quality of his of his speeches. Um, the cadence, the, the tone, um, and the gesticulation, the facial expression, um, all very very effective, very powerful. And as somebody uh, has commented, he has the masses hit out of his hand, which is. English translation for uh, in the expression. So the next uh, the next slide here, um, please. Um, so he, he does not uh, use. By the way, he does not use the prompters or notes when he gives his uh, uh, charismatic speeches. Um, he did use a teleprompter when he addressed Congress. Uh, during his recent state visit, it was the second time he has addressed Congress. The first time was in 2016. Um, here I have a, a video that we're not going to play because I was hoping to play only with, uh, quick video clips. But you know, the point here is that his, uh, this was a very, um, very powerful speech. It went on for an hour. He had 15 standing ovations, which is remarkable in itself. Um, and uh, uh, what comes across here, even in English, which is his third language, right, after Gujarati and Hindi, is how, how well he engages with the audience and how he owns the, the, the scene. Um, you know, he's, he comes across it humorous. Um, for example, he makes a joke about the progress of AI in the past, uh, uh, you know, a few years, but AI means artificial intelligence, but also means American Indian connection, right? Um, so everybody laughs, and um, he talks about he, there is power. He talks about the uh, economic growth of India, right, and how it's uh, you know it's going to be the third uh, economic power by the end of the decade. And there is emotions. He uses one of his poems. And he recites it in uh, in his native language and then in English. So that's also only the whole situation. You know, goes on for a minute with his own poem. So um, his written words, his spoken words. Now I want to talk a little bit context, right? So India or Bharat as the uh, you know the sort of Hindu nationalist. Uh, think of renaming the country using a, 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 a very ancient word. Um, the most populous country in the world as of this year, by an estimate. Um, also the largest diaspora and arguably 
the most successful diaspora in the world. As I said, if, you know, a, a, a growing economy, the fifth by GDP now, but um, projected to uh, overcome uh, Germany and Japan by 2030. Um, a, a, a nuclear power, of course, uh, but also the fourth country to put a, a spacecraft on, on the moon as, as of this year. But in addition to all that, a cultural and uh, civilizational giant with thousands of years of history and uh, exquisite artistic and scientific production, birthplace of uh, some of the, the biggest world uh, religions and important philosophies, also place of uh, you know studying and uh, writings in, uh, of statecraft. The uh, Arta Shastra of Kautilya uh, is actually read at IWT, some of the classes, the classes, uh, classes, classes. Um, you know, over 2,000 year old, um, Kautilya is one of the names of uh, uh, an advisor, to, uh, an emperor of the Mauryan uh, dynasty, uh, Chandragupta. Um, and of course, you know, a very complex uh, place, a mosaic of, of languages. There are over 20 languages uh, officially recognized in the Constitution um, and the, the largest pluralistic democracy in the world. And a place with which, you know, there has been a, a commerce for, uh, for thousands of years. I had here a quote from Pliny uh, the Elder, uh, who in the first century uh, lamented how, how much the Romans were spending on spices and gems uh, in, in this uh, commerce with India. Please the next slide. But back to the Prime Minister and a little bit of uh, biographical information here. So he comes from Gujarat, which is a northwestern state uh, with the long tradition of uh, uh, sea trade. But he comes from Dharnaga, um, uh, which is a, you know, right here, it's a kind of backwater place, uh, a town, not a big town. Um, he uh, was born in 1950, which is three years after the uh, independence of India and the partition from India and Pakistan. Um, it's India, so we have the caste system, um, and we have here in, in, the, in that picture the four, uh, originally the four castes coming from the body parts of, of, uh, of Brahma, um, and, and then the outcasts. Um, now, from these uh, over centuries, the system has evolved into thousands, actually tens of thousands of castes that define the um, the social hierarchy and organization. And Modi's family belongs to a lower caste, the Ganji caste. They're traditionally associated with oil press work. Um, um, we would say it's a work, working class background. Uh, in the best of hypothesis, maybe lower middle class, but more working class. But not, 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 not obvious. So, next step. Yeah, so a, a humble background here. The father had a, um, 
if you install some probably a small grosser, uh, that's to be installed right there, um, bottom left, as it is as it looks now, uh, at the train station on Batica. Um, you know, a, a small house uh, for a family of eight that you know comes a family of eight is the third of six children. The mother is of course a, a homemaker, but has also some house uh, cleaning uh, just to make ends meet. Next step. And uh, as a child, uh, Narendra himself uh, he helps his father at pistol when he can. So he sells tea to the uh, travelers at the train station. It's a chihuahua, a tea maker. Um, around age eight, he starts attending the meetings of shakas of the Kashpriya Swayasempak Sang, a national volunteer organization. The RSS is the uh, nowadays the largest non-profit, we can say, organization in the world with an estimate membership of uh, in the 200 millions. It was founded in the 1920s and the sociological reason that of the RSS is Indonesianism. So it's uh, for a child like, like, uh, like Narendra Modi at that point is something to do and it's an opportunity to have some civic education uh, to, to sing some patriotic uh, songs and to do some physical activity, a little bit like a Boy Scout thing at that point. He's an average student, um, he's athletic, he's curious, he has an inventive quality, he will become passionate about debate and theater. Um, and in his early teens, and this is the time when China goes to war with India, um, actually defeats India, so there is um, there is a humiliation, national humiliation, and a reaction, a patriotic reaction. And the, the Sinai schools are sort of the military-style academies that are founded at this time uh, as part of this reaction. And Modi hears about this at the train station when he meets people and he wants to become a student. He would have to leave town and, uh, um, uh, and be a bo uh, in board. Uh, at one of these schools. The father does not allow it. The father wants him to stay with the family and kind of follow in the footsteps. And this is, this is where, you know, he and his father starts now seeing eye to eye. Narendra doesn't know what he wants to do, but, what, but he doesn't want to follow in the footsteps. And so he continues, you know, with the RSS and he finds there um, uh, a sort of a replacement father figure, a parallel father who will be his mentor uh, for, for many years and uh, who goes by the AKA of Akil Saeed. He's, a, he's an attorney by training and a prominent uh, local member of the RSS. Next slide, please. So uh, these are, these are his teenage years. It's a time of spiritual awakening, uh, intellectual awakening, um, while he's in high school, he is, becomes a, a, an avid reader and uh, uh, he becomes a follower of the Swami Vivekananda, a, a monk, in, a Hindu monk and philosopher who uh, lived in the second half of the, of the, 20, uh, of, of the 19th century. 
actually, well, 20th century. Um, and uh, um, uh, so he, he um, another thing where he doesn't see eye by with his family, which is very important, is the arranged marriage. You know, according to culture, uh, there has been an arranged marriage when he, uh, Narendra, was a child and the, uh, and the show that the, the, the girl uh, was also, you know, somewhere, somewhere between three and six. Now this arranged marriage becomes legal as they are teenagers. And when it's time to start the cohabitation, so create a family, that's where actually Narendra only decides that he wants to leave. He doesn't want to have a family stay in that town and following the footsteps of, of, the, of his family. And so he leaves, um, and he um, essentially renounces. He becomes an ascetic, uh, a Hindu mendic. You know, this is also something that uh, part of you know has to be seen in, in the, within the, the Indian culture, right? And he goes on a on a two-year um, um, by foot uh, pilgrimage. Uh, following in the footsteps of Swami Vivekananda. He goes to the Himalayas and crisscrosses India. And actually, he tries to become a monk. Uh, that's his, his plan at this point. But three times in three of the monasteries founded by uh, Vivekananda, he's turned away. Why? They don't see in him, you know, uh, spiritual life in his future. They see something different, right? So two years like this, um, and then he, next slide. Then he decides to come back home, but briefly, um, briefly because uh, now his mind is set on becoming a full-fledged member of the RSS and sort of a propagandist, a trasherak and worker of the RSS. Um, now he's, uh, he he goes to live in the. Uh, in the town where the, uh, the RSS of the regional headquarters, um, he, uh, in Piermoli at that point, you wake up at 4.30 in the morning, and you go to the headquarters, you start doing chores and all kinds of things, and you have a long work day. And then when, it, when you're done with that, because you don't have a place to stay, you're staying with a distant relative who runs a canteen, and uh, so then you work at the canteen, and one day the, the patrons, when the customers are gone, uh, you clean up and you sleep on a table. Uh, that's what he did for two years. Uh, then get up at uh, 4.30 again, clean up, and, and, and restart the day like that. So not exactly easy in all shape. That's what he has to do. That's what he does. And uh, here, the second picture is, is this measure and then he finally becomes a full-fledged manager. No, a uh, strong worker, uh, very reliable, um, intelligent. Uh, they make him study, you know, go to college and, and post-grad uh, as a distance learner. And when uh, Indira Gandhi uh, starts the emergency, declares the emergency, the fact of suspending democracy in 1975, between 1975 and 1977, she, um, um, she outlaws the RSS. So everything goes underground. And this is the, an opportunity, really, for young Modi to shine. Uh, 
as an underground uh, RSS member, uh, he is a student, so he can he can go to Delhi back and forth from Delhi and Gujarat, and he um, he keeps in communication the leaders of the organization. He uses aliases. He is uh, uh, he uses disguises. For example, here the the, the bottom picture as as a as a Sikh. Um, um, he has a gift for organizing, he has a gift for putting together propaganda material and disseminating. He begins to understand the importance of influencing foreign opinion. And, uh, you know, at the end of the emergency, he will be tasked by the RSS with, you know, writing the official account of the emergency for the, for the organization. And in the meantime, of course, he rises to the ranks. But even as he rises through the ranks, you know, his, um, his lifestyle remains dark and he doesn't own anything. He uh, is always, he's always on the move, he's always a guest of somebody, he's always eating what he's offered, always vegetarian. So the next step. And so all these all this, uh, talents and all this work uh, will aid him to be detailed by the RSS to the BJP. The BJP, the Party, is essentially a offspring of the RSS. It is part of the family of the RSS, the San Party. Um, a number of organizations uh, bore out of the RSS. Um, and, and all, um, all uh, under the Hindu, this Hindu nationalist ideology. Um, and so, in uh, 1987, he becomes a political author. Um, and uh, in, in this, around this time, he loses his, his mentor, the uh, RSS mentor, and his father. And uh, his, his mentor in the BJP is Albani, one of the leaders of, of the party. And, he, and then he, he's, he's a strong organizer, he's a, is a strategist, and he becomes a specialist of these yatras uh, who, that are essentially political campaigns, chariot festival going around from village to village. He um, becomes the, the organizer, the main organizer for the BJP. And with that comes, you know, some uh, exposure, public exposure, um, becomes known to the media. He becomes an important person in the, in the party. And with that, territory comes some political infighting and jealousy uh, in the 90s. And one thing that one thing that Modi uh, knows how to do is also stay, take a step out, uh, take a step aside when when it's better to do that. Because then they call him back. Because in, at the end of the day, he's good at what he does, he's excellent. And so when things are, are difficult and are messy, you know, uh, Modi is called that. Huh? So that's, that's, can I have the next slide? Well, Vivekananda uh, has been his uh, spiritual and philosophical guidance, and Modi finds in this uh, author, Upadhyay, the, the, the sort of political, economic inspiration. Um, and that's because his integral humanist is the uh, is the basic philosophy of the BJP. It's, it's endorsed by the BJP in the 1980s as basic philosophy. 
Well, it's an uh, indigenous development model um, that uh, um, becomes sort of a departure uh, in India from the state-centric, the state-centric approach to uh, economic policy uh, of the of the Congress Party. Um, the leaders of the Congress Party were educated at London School of Economics and uh, Cambridge University, and they had this Fabian socialist approach that went on for decades. This is a departure, it's more it's a pro-market term, and that's what will uh, that's what Modi would practice when he becomes a leader. And the next step is, is, is just that. And that's 2001. He is tapped uh, to be the chief minister of Gujarat. This is after the earthquake in Gujarat. Um, so nothing comes easy for this man. And they, they send him there because things are very difficult. And they're about to become worse because months later, 2002, you may remember the Godra massacres. A train with uh, um, Hindu pilgrims was assaulted and torched by uh, Muslim rioters. Tens of people died. And then what followed was weeks of communal violence, which is a recurrent problem. Right? And uh, over a thousand casualties uh, thought of, you know, mostly, mostly uh, Muslims, because it was the, the, the revenge of, of the of the Hindus. So Modi is accused of having not done enough in the best case scenario, or having actually, uh, you know, uh, helped the Hindu uh, mobs to kill Muslims, and uh, and you know this becomes a very serious thing. In fact, you know, he will not be allowed uh, his visa for, to come to the U.S. is not is, is revoked, um, and uh, can go to the European Union either. Either and um, uh, to these days, the detractors of Modi uh, will, will say will think that he was at least partly responsible, even though he has been, uh, you know, exonerated by the Indian Supreme Court. But anyway, he actually offers his resignation uh, to, the, to his party, and that is rejected, and so he runs for election, um, and he wins, and then he's re-elected twice as chief minister. And these are years in which he becomes sort of the development man. He uh, realizes this Gujarat model um, of governance innovation. And on, on, on that uh, track record, he will run in 2014 for Prime Minister Wins and is re-elected in 2019 and is running again next year. Um, and at this point, he has become sort of a global uh, um, state, a global phenomenon, a Vishwa Guru, a global teacher, right? Uh, with uh, a lot of uh, fans around the world, including self-professed here uh, Elon Musk. So, so who is uh, Prime Minister Modi? Well, he uh, uh, is a he has a multi-layered persona. Um, he has his humble origins, uh, Chaiwala, the tea, a tea vendor. Um, he becomes an ascetic, uh, spiritual seeker, uh, sannyas. Um, and uh, lives uh, two years like that as a, as a pilgrim. 
Um, certainly molded by the RSS since early on, becomes a, a propagandist, the full-fledged member of the RSS. Um, and then from there, a political operator, uh, a, a, a leader, and, and a statesman. It's sort of, a, it's always an outside. Um, even in the RSS, dominated by the Brahmins, it, it comes from a lower caste. So always an outsider, but it's somebody who always does very well, is very focused on what he's doing, and learns where all the, the cogs and the levers are. And so from outsider becomes perfectly silent. He has this gift for communication and propaganda. Um, he is a, a, he's visionary, but also looking backwards, uh, his, his, his culture is traditional, is the, 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 you know, the Hindu culture, but he himself, in his, in his own life, has broken from tradition and has pursued you know, his, own, uh, his own path uh, against what uh, his family wanted. There is a calm and collected quality about him. His, he, People describe it as, as detached. Um, he's meditating. He does yoga every day. You know, early in the morning, and wake up and does yoga and meditation for an hour. And yet he has this uh, rockers and uh, gregarious uh, persona. He is uh, a shrewd politician who certainly doesn't shy away from attacking his opponents if he has to. Uh, and uh, um, he, he has this missionary zeal, but he's also very pragmatic. Uh, he is uh, uh, very attentive to detail, very meticulous uh, in all he does, and yet he's driven by strong emotions that he has to express, you know, in his poetry, as we have seen, right? His marriage, for all his known, has not been consummated, has ever, never had, you know, intimate relations, for all his known, yet he projects this very masculine, Persona, uh, sort of in a, in a symbolic, you know, uh, union with the family, India, the the the, the family mystic, the, the, the family divine, is married to to India, is married to the Ganga Ganga River, which is also family. Um, so a lot of lot of layers here, um, and he's polarized. All this state. So there is, there is a, there are, uh, there seems to be a good body, or at least there are people who see him as, as really only good. Um, in what way? Well, his, uh, his narrative really intersects with the aspiration, young, uh, growing in, right? Uh, meritocracy over uh, dynastic privilege and then sclerosis, right? So that's, that's the, that's the thing, right? And, and, in, and in that way, it connects with youth, it connects with the diaspora. He's a modernizer, but not a westernizer. He maintains the, the strategic economy of India. So yes, you know, it's a, obviously a counterweight, civilizational, uh, everything, counterweight to China in the Indo-Pacific, but he's also, you know, giving uh, uh, high gear to Putin, and uh, he, is, he presents himself as the voice of the Global South, and, and uh, so, but, so you know, the, 
people like him, we'll, we'll see all this as good, right? But then the next slide. But then there seems to be a bad mode here, at least people who really don't like him and uh, there are detractors, and what they see is, is, a, is, a, is an autocrat, uh, you know, who is fostering a personality cult, um, who's controlling the narrative, uh, who's doing really the very democratic uh, institutions of India in danger. And also they see a mesmerizer, they see uh, a mirage maker who is, uh, uh, you know, uh, really creating the story of uh, a, a different an India that is, is, is growing and changing when in reality uh, this change is not really happening and the problems of India are pretty much the same, long-standing problems are the same, right? So, sort of a, 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 a bad model here. Huh? So, next slide. So what about his family? What about his uh, legally married wife? Um, well, as he, as he says in this, um, in this quote, he, he has to think of the entire country and has taken the decision to stay away from his family. And that's not, that's not unlike other Indian leaders. It's, it kind of goes with, again, uh, we have to put things in, in, in cultural uh, context, right? But he has taken it to, to an extreme, you know. He hasn't really spoken to his, uh, uh, you know, uh, wife um, in, uh, in, in decades. It seems like they last spoke when they were teenagers. And uh, you know, actually, did not uh, acknowledge to be married until until 2014, when he ran for prime minister and had to fill out some forms, and he checked that he was that he was married. And so the, the press went to find Jashodan, and uh, uh, she was actually happy to give some interviews until until she got a security detail, which you know keeps her safe but also keeps away the press from her, right? Um, and what she said is, well, she's a retired teacher, uh, lives a modest life, religious person. She's, uh, she's never even thought of remarrying or, you know, and she has followed her uh, husband from afar, um, praying for him, fasting for him, and as she said to the press, waiting for him to give her a call, that call never comes, right? Um, also, his family of origin is definitely not being close. Uh, he has spoken to usually the, the older uh, of, of the six siblings. Um, a sort of a ritualistic connection with his, his family of origin, with, I'd say, one exception. And let's look at the next slide. Um, and that's his mother. And, uh, um, and uh, the... Mother who, who passed away uh, last year at age 100, uh, the connection is, yes, ritualized, but also profound. Um, I had another video here, which I think is very interesting. I don't think we, we can see it. Um, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a town hall meeting held by uh, Facebook. Um, and so Mark Zuckerberg inter interviewed the prime minister. Um, this is a few years ago, uh, when the mother was still alive. And so Zuckerberg starts out saying 
that at some point, you know, early on, uh, when he was developing his, his company, Facebook, he didn't know where to go with it, didn't know what to do. And somebody told him, well, go to India and meditate and find, find a way. And so he did just that for months, you know, went to temples. Well, that's a great way to start a conversation with the Prime Minister home. Like, really, you see how he, he reacts to that. Then, is, then Zuckerberg says, Prime Minister, uh, you know, you and I have one thing in common. We really, we really care about family, right? And here are my parents, by the way. I want to introduce them to you. And so that's another strong emotional reaction from the Prime Minister. Uh, and then he asks him, well, tell us about your mother. And, you know, which you can see this, you know, how he talks about his mother, how he talks about the sacrifices that she made, um, you know, the, the, the poverty that they experienced. And uh, he is really genuinely moved. Um, he, he is on the verge of, of sobbing and crying for a minute or two. And then he kind of regains composure and says, and that's just one of a million ma Indian mothers or more like this, no? or, or hundred million. And so I, I thought this was a very, you know, poignant, significant, and, 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 and a great way to, to talk to him and to have him uh, access these deep emotions that, you know, I started out with, you know, uh, with his poetry. So this is the end of the profile of, of Modi, but I want to, if I have a minute here, I want to say a couple of things here. Leadership analysis is, one can say, you know, has been part of the uh, mission of the uh, U.S. intelligence since, since, uh, since early on, since the time of the Office of Strategic Services, when uh, two teams led by psychologists, psychoanalysts, were tasked with profiling Adolf Hitler. Their work is actually published, uh, I mean, it's available online. Um, the, this work continued, you know, in the, in the CIA. And I have here on the top right, the general post, um, who, uh, who led a multidisciplinary team at the agency, uh, profiling foreign leaders. One of the high points was the work that they did in the preparation of uh, preparing the, the uh, Carter administration uh, for the, the Camp David, uh, the work at Camp David that led to the, the, the peace uh, between Egypt and, uh, um, and Israel. Now, that's, that's a psychobiographical method, which is a qualitative method rooted in, in a sort of you know, psychoanalytic work. But there is, uh, you know, there are quantitative uh, methods that are essentially um, text analysis, analysis of um, speeches and uh, interviews uh, that are computer-based. Uh, and, uh, for example, the leadership uh, trait analysis of Margaret Herman. One last slide here, uh, and that's kind of my plot. Um, Uh, the last one. Yeah, so I, I think of this as a, as a tool, uh, one of the many tools of, of statement um, uh, of, of the, in the range of, 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 sorry, of diplomacy. Um, 
And I see this in the context of the concept of strategic empathy. Uh, empathy is not sympathy. Empathy uh, does not mean uh, walking, you know, with, uh, uh, agreeing with you. Uh, and uh, what it is is understanding or trying to understand the the other person, you know, the intentions, the needs, the emotions. Um, and so we have to know ourselves, and we have to know the other to serve our national interest. And, and that's better than 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 being, you know, self-absorbed because that leads to to hubris. And so um, one last thought about Prime Minister Modi. I think what I have presented is is a, a individual who have who is constantly in motion and has a restless quality about himself, and he has who has all these layers and polarities within himself. My my thought is that precisely that constant motion, the fact that he never takes leave, he never goes to the equivalent or, or Delaware or, or Florida, right? To, to, to be to, to rest. Uh, he has never taken a day off as far as we know. Right? But that's a necessity for him to keep all these all these polarities and all these layers together. So he might be interested if he decided at some point to, to rest for a while to see what happens with all this balls that he's been uh, keeping up in the air for decades. Thank you.